Starting in verse 21, Ephesians chapter 5, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And everybody said amen. Amen. We're kicking off a new series, as Charlie has already uh, informed you, and it's entitled uh, The Meaning of Marriage. And so over the next several weeks, we are going to be talking uh, about this passage of Scripture. We're actually going to be staying in this passage for the next four weeks and kind of looking at it, kind of picking it apart and kind of looking at it a little deeper. Um, And so what I want to do now is just address two things up front because I recognize that everybody in this room is not married. Uh, and I recognize that everybody in this room is not married. I also recognize that some of you may be married, but you may have a spouse that does not come to church with you. And so you're probably thinking, man, this series just doesn't apply to me. Uh, I can kind of check out. Uh, but I just want to encourage you uh, that, man, the Word of God is so rich. And the biblical truths that we're going to be talking about today, even though they apply to marriage, they apply to life in general. Okay, and I think you'll see that today as we dive into just uh, this first verse today. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you to, to really uh, lean in today, uh, lean in through this series, because even if you're not married, uh, you may decide to get married, and it, it will be beneficial. And if you are married and you have an unbelieving spouse, and uh, I, think these, I think these principles will help you uh, in your situation wherever you're at. The other thing I want to say up front is this, okay, I'm not an expert on marriage, okay? Uh, you guys probably already knew that, but I don't have this thing figured out. Uh, I am your, your pastor, and I confess to you this morning that my marriage is far from perfect. Okay, so I don't stand up here uh, with some type of authority uh, as if my marriage is, is this, this awesome marriage. I mean, it is an awesome, it is an awesome marriage. I don't want to make it sound like it's not. <laughs> that came out wrong. It is awesome. It is awesome. But, but what I'm saying is, here's what I'm saying, okay? I think, I, think a lot of people, I think a lot of people perceive, you know, that, man, if you're a pastor, man, then, then, then like, you must have angels in your house, like, that sing uh, melodi- melodi- melodious tunes all the time or something. Or you just, you know, they, they think that you're holier than now, or they think that you've got a direct link to God or whatever, and that's just not the case. Um, I'm a sinner, just like you are, and my wife, Robin, is a sinner, just like you are, and, uh, and, and we both need Jesus, just like you do. And so um, this, this series, I think, is going to be helpful. I love what Paul says in verse 31 and 32. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he adds this, This mystery is profound. 
Now, now the mystery he's talking about is, is a reference to the gospel. It's, it's what Christ, uh, how he, he came and died for, for, for us, the church. Uh, and that's the mystery he's talking about. But at times, man, doesn't your marriage feel like an unsolvable puzzle? <laughs> right? Doesn't your marriage sometimes feel like a mystery? Like, like, like you feel like sometimes that, that, somebody has, that somebody has come in and just hijacked your, your spouse. And like, what, what in the world is going on here? And you're trying to figure, figure this thing out. I've shared this story with you guys before, but I'll share it again this, this morning. Uh, Robert and I, we first got married, and we were coming back from our honeymoon, and I'll never forget, it's our first big fight we had. Like a week, we've been married a week, okay? We'd flown uh, into Charlotte uh, Airport, and it was late at night, and my, my wife suggested, said, hey, why don't we get a hotel and stay the night rather than try to drive back uh, to Christiansburg, which was about two hours from, from Charlotte. And I was like, uh, no, no, typical guy, I can do this, I can handle this. And so we get back in the car, and it's about midnight, and somewhere along up Interstate 81, my wife is fast asleep, and I hit rumple strips, right? And it startles her. She, she wakes up, right? And then, uh, and then the next thing I know, man, we are about ready to throw down on Interstate 81. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Like, we're, I thought I was going to have to stop the car, and we were going to throw down right there on Interstate 81 at like 1 a.m. in the morning. And it's probably a good thing that we didn't because she would definitely have taken me for sure. Uh, my wife, man, she's tough. Any, anytime that we hear a noise in the house or something, we're upstairs in the bed and we hear a noise in the house, you know, typically, you know, there's a man, the man that goes down like, hey, Robin, go check that out, you know, because <laughs> she, she could take him. But, but I'll never forget, man. I remember we got back to, to the house that night and I remember laying in the bed and I remember thinking like a week in the marriage, thinking to myself, what in the mess have I done here, you know? Like, it's, 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 uh, that, that's, you know, it's just this, um, this unsolvable puzzle sometimes that we just feel like, man, we can't figure this thing out. Um, and the reality is marriage can be tough. You know, it, it can be difficult, but it's also, it's also great, man. It's a wonderful gift from God. And I'm going to tell you, there's no relationship um, between human beings that is greater or more important than marriage, right? Marriage is a divine invention, God ordains the first marriage in the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, and everything in that text proclaims that marriage, next to our relationship to God, is the most profound relationship there is. And the reason that is is because it's a reflection of the gospel. Marriage is a reflection of the gospel. Right? The real intent behind marriage is that we might know and grasp the love of God, the, the love that He has for us, His pursuit, right? That's what Scripture is. If you look at Scripture from, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, a lot of it is about this, this, this love story that God is pursuing after His people, that we have turned our back on God, that we have rebelled against God, and that He is pursuing after us. And, uh, and it's just a beautiful picture of what that is. And so marriage is tough, but, but, but it's beautiful and wonderful too. I think, unfortunately for us, though, our culture is oftentimes distorted our view of marriage and what it means, right? We, we've been influenced uh, by our, 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 our television sitcoms and our soap operas and, and the music that we listen to, and I'm not dissing any of that stuff, okay? Listen, I grew up on Days of Our Lives, right? When I was in high school, I know that's bad, and I watched Days of Our Lives. I loved Beverly Hills 90210. Come on, who, who watched that with me, right? Yeah, not this new stuff, right? But I mean, the, the, the old stuff. Uh, you know, I listen, to, uh, I listen to some secular myths. I'm not dissing those things, but this, this is what's happened, okay? Uh, these things have conditioned us to believe that marriage is about me, that it's about fulfilling my needs and my wants. What, what can I get out of this marriage? 
How, how can it benefit me? And what we see, man, is, is that more and more people are putting off marriage because their perception is, is that they see their friends who are already married, and they see that, that they're unhappy, right? They, they see marriage as this ball and chain, right? That, that they're unhappy, and why would I want uh, to, to that for myself? More and more people are, are living, out, outside of mar- uh, living together outside of marriage because they're afraid of commitment. You know, marriage, marriage is, is what, what sets marriage apart, man, is that it's a covenant. It's a covenant relationship. You know, our God is a covenant God. And we'll talk more about that in, in the weeks to come. But, but more and more people are just living, living together. Um, if things don't work out, you know, it's an easy way out. Our, our society oftentimes talks about love like a ditch, right? Like I'm falling in love or I'm falling out of love, right? Like I'm falling in a ditch. Or they, 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 they refer to it like an illness, like, hey, I've caught, I've caught the love bug, right? You know, and, and that's the way we, we describe love. And what happens, what happens when I've lost that Love and feeling, and it's gone, gone, gone. That epic scene from Top Gun. How many of you guys remember that, right? Maverick and Goose singing to Kelly McGillis. Great scene there. Anyways, uh, and what's happened is this, man. We've created this, this consumeristic, this type of culture when it comes to marriage. All right, well, what can I get out of this marriage? How will it benefit me most, right? Both men and women oftentimes see marriage not as a way of creating character or community, but as a way to, to advance their own personal life goals. And so the goal throughout this series is for us to, to, to know the secret, this mystery uh, that Paul talks about, and that is the gospel. And so what is the gospel? And, and I want to just take, take a second here just to review. And I love how Tim Keller is one of my favorite authors, and I love how he puts this. Uh, he says, this is the gospel, it is, it is this, it is that you are so lost and flawed, so sinful, that Jesus had to die for you, but you are also so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for you. And so because of that, you are now fully and accepted, you are fully loved and accepted and delighted in by God the Father, not because you deserved it, but solely because of the grace of God. Now here's the thing, man, if you believe that, if you can get that from, from your head to your heart, it will do two things for you. First, it's going to humble you because it teaches you that you are indeed a sinner who falls short of the glory of God. And that, that right there is the first step, man. That's, that's one of the hardest steps for people to realize is that, they, is that they are a sinner, that they fall short. And then the second thing it's going to do is it's going to actually lift you up because you are more loved and affirmed than you could ever imagine, right? And this is the power for marriage, that Jesus gave himself up, that he died to himself to save us, and now we give ourselves up, right? We die to ourselves, and so marriage is about mutual fulfillment and mutual sacrifice. And this gospel gives us both the power and the pattern for marriage, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So today I want to start with the power for marriage. So let's go back and look at verse 21, and uh, this is what it literally reads it says, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, this verse is actually a, a bridge verse. It connects what Paul has just said in chapter 4 about being filled with the Spirit. So, so if you have your Bibles open there, go ahead and look back at uh, chapter 4, uh, and then he moves into chapter 5. And uh, 5, uh, let's see, back up just a, start at verse 15 there, all right? 
living by the Spirit's power is probably your heading. And, and this is what he says. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in, the, in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, he, and, then he, and then he lists off characteristics of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you, how many of your Bibles kind of make a transition there and kind of make, build a new paragraph? How many of you, your Bibles do that? My Bible does that, right? It shouldn't do that. And in the Greek, it's, it's a continual sentence. It's, it's, it's one long sentence. And that last, verse 21, actually fits with what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, and further, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Reverence for Christ. And so, so what Paul is doing here is he is assuming that his readers have the Spirit of God in them. And if they do then it's going to give them the ability to submit to serve their spouse, right? The ability to take yourself out of the center and to put others' needs ahead of yours. The ability to, to, to get out of being absorbed by your own problems and needs. And so, so Paul is applying to marriage a general principle about the Christian life, and that is that all Christians, that all Christians who really understand the gospel undergo a radical change in the way that they relate to people, right? Whether, whether you're husbands or wives, we are not to live for ourselves, but we are to live for the other. And that is the hardest, most single, yet, yet most single important function of being a husband and wife in marriage. And the reason it's hard is because the main enemy of every marriage, you know what the main enemy of every marriage is? The main barrier to the development of a servant's heart in life in general, not just in marriage, but in life in general, is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness, right? Self-centeredness of the sinful human heart is really the root of all sins. It wreaks havoc on marriages. Listen to what James says. James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he writes the book of James, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source of your pleasures, right? Your own self-centeredness. Your own desires, your own wants, your own thing. Is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? And what Paul, is, what James is saying is, is that conflicts in any relationship, the church, the home, or marriage, always results from, the hearts, from hearts that are directed by self rather than being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, the ability for us to submit and serve others is not instinctive. I don't know if you know that or not, right? It's not our natural bent to, to want to, to serve others, right? Our natural bent is to lean towards self, right? It's because what sin has done to us. Sin has, has made, this, uh, made us like this, right? Our natural tendency is to lean towards self. And so the ability to submit comes from the Spirit because the word submit is very strong. It's a military word and usually used in the Greek to talk about a soldier uh, submitting to an officer, right? And you guys that, that have been in the military, uh, served in the military, you know this uh, because when you're in the military, you realize that uh, you lose a tremendous amount of control over pretty much everything, right? right? You lose control over your schedule. You lose control over what you're going to eat. I mean, you, you lose control uh, over, over just about everything. 
Because in order to be a part of the whole, in order to act in greater unity, you have to do what? You have to defer a whole lot of your decisions and a whole lot of your wishes and a whole lot of your desires. You have to be willing to give yourself away just as Jesus gave himself away. You have to seek to serve one another rather than to be happy. And when you do this, you will find a new and deeper happiness. It's almost like a paradox here. Right? I had a friend uh, back home that used to always say, he said, God did not call us to be happy. He called us to be faithful. And Jesus, you know, Jesus says in the Gospels, he says, if you, if you seek to, to save your life, then you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sakes, then you will save it. And, and, the, and the same thing applies here, right? If you seek your own happiness in your marriage, then guess what? You're probably not going to be very happy. But if you seek to serve your spouse and put her needs before yours, and you learn to do that, and you're, and you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to increase in happiness, right? It doesn't make sense, right? But that's the way it works. That's the way it works. It says, so, so, but the problem with self-centeredness is this, man, is you never recognize it in yourself as much as you do other people. Come on, can I get an Amen. Is it not true, right? You always see it in other people before you see it in yourself. And so what happens is this, man. You decide to get married because you feel an attraction to the other person, right? You think that he or she is just this wonderful person. But shortly after the I do's, there are three things that usually happen. The first is, is you begin to find out how selfish this wonderful person is. Secondly, you discover that this wonderful person has been through similar experiences and he or she begins to tell you how selfish you are. Right, and third, though you acknowledge it in part, you conclude that your spouse's selfishness is more problematic than your own, right? So, so, so prior to marriage, here's the deal. Prior to marriage, man, I thought I was just the most selfless, like, just lover of Jesus there ever was, right? I mean, I thought I was just knocking this thing out of the park. And then when I got married, like, it was like a wake-up call, right? It's like, that's what marriage does. Marriage will expose your flaws, Right? Marriage does that. And let's, let me give you an example, right? It's confession time. Uh, one of my struggles that I've, that I've struggled with uh, is, is that I tend to fear, fear man more than I fear God. I tend to care more about what people think of me than what God thinks of me. And so my tendency is to, to please people, Right? Uh, my, my desire is to please people, uh, is the desire to do that is greater than my desire to please God. And so, so what I'm looking at is I'm, I'm looking for people to give me affirmation. I'm looking for other people to give me security, right? I'm looking for other people to do those things, and I was allowing people to control me, right? I would disappoint my wife before disappointing other people. And so, so what was going on is this. So I believed the gospel in my head but it was not operational in my heart. But now that I've been married for nine years, and, 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 and marriage has kind of exposed this flaw in me, I recognize this, and right? I've been, been willing to admit this, and I've recognized this. And, and, and so um, the, 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 the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is driving the gospel that, that, that I don't need approval from other people, right? Because remember the gospel. Right? I've got love and acceptance and affirmation from God the Father who loves me. Right? That's getting into my heart. And it's changing me. 
And so the challenge for us is this, is regardless of your situation, whether you have an unbelieving spouse at home or both of you are Christians uh, or whether you're single, and that is to determine to see that your own selfishness, your own self-centeredness as a fundamental problem and to treat it more seriously than you do your spouse's. And that's hard. That's hard. Because only you have complete access to your own selfishness. Only you have complete responsibility for it. This is why we need to be filled with the Spirit. Right? It's not thinking less of yourself or more of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. It means taking your mind off of yourself and realizing that in Christ, your needs are being met and are in fact being met. And, and you don't need to look to your spouse to be your Savior. You don't need to look to your spouse to fulfill your needs. You don't need to look to anybody else to do those things, right? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. And when you do that, you begin, uh, I think you'll begin to have the prospect for, for a great marriage. But there's one more crucial phrase that, that Paul says, and that's the key, I think, is um, this, this last phrase here. He says, submit to one another out of the fear of of Christ. Now, that's, that's interesting right there. And, and I love this, this section. As I was studying this past week, man, I loved kind of looking at this and, and what all this means. And, and the word fear there is actually misleading because we equate, fear, we equate fear with being scared, don't we? We look at that like, okay, am I supposed to be scared of God? But the Old Testament idea is not really this, this being scared, this fear in a sense, but rather it's an awe and a reverence for who Christ is uh, or for who God is and what he has done for us. Right, so, so if you look at the Bible and you, and you go and you study the Bible, you, you get lots of different pictures for our relationship with God. And a couple of different pictures you'll see is, is that, man, the Bible talks about we're friends with God, right? That, that we are loved and accepted, that we're friends with him, right? You get this picture that God is a father and that we are his children and that, like, God invites us in. And we can almost like, you know, when you have your kids and they crawl up in your lap and you're rocking them and, it's kind of the picture that we get with God. But there's also this picture in Scripture that God is king, right? That he has authority. And so, yes, we have this friendship with God uh, where we can crawl up into his lap, right? But we also have this relationship with God where we respect. We have this awe and this reverence. Psalm 130 uh, verse 4 says, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is that forgiveness and and grace actually increases the fear of the Lord. It's not not this scared, but it's an awe and a wonder. It's an amazement, right? We we sing about, uh, one of the songs we sing, it says we're overwhelmed by his love. That's what he's talking about. It's this this being amazed and and awe and wonder and amazement. Uh, so, So fear in the Bible means to be overwhelmed, to be controlled by the wonder and greatness of God's love for us. To be so captured by what Christ has done for us, man, that we're just like, man, overwhelmed. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says that the love of Christ controls us. It is Christ's love that motivates us. This is why Paul introduces marriage with the summons to love one another out of fear for Christ. Because oftentimes what we do is we come into marriage relationships with all kinds of baggage, man. Baggage from, from our home where we grew up or uh, baggage from the way our parents treated us 
right? We bring all these things, or maybe it's a past marriage. Maybe you've been married before, I don't know. But we bring all these different things. We bring all these different fears into the, our, our marriages, and, and, and it causes issues. It causes problems, right? We're, we're driven by all kinds of fears, like people-pleasing, right? Or the desire for, for approval or respect or success, you name it, right? We do this because we are broken, sinful people. And if I look to my spouse to fix what is broken, then guess what? I'm not going to be in a position to serve her. Because I'm going to be in a position, I'm always going to be looking for her to fix my problems. Or to meet my needs. Or to serve, you know what I'm saying? Like this, so that's, that's the problem we have here. Only God can fix what's broken in us. And until God has a proper place in my life, I will always be complaining that my spouse is not loving me well enough, not respecting me enough, or supporting me enough. Because I'm in the center. And until I get out of the center, until I realize that I'm not the point of life, it's just it's the way it's going to be. So, so in the end, this is, this is a beautiful thing here, right? So in the end, being filled with the Spirit, right? The, the, the chapter that Paul is connected with, uh, being filled with the Spirit and the fear of the Lord are basically the same thing, right? They, they both take you out of the center of your life, and they put Christ there. Paul says in Romans 15 that we should not please ourselves because on the cross, Christ did not please himself. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that, that we should count others better than ourselves because Jesus did not consider equality with, uh, equality with, uh, with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he served us even to the point of dying. And so, so, so being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the fear of Christ, means that we let the Holy Spirit of God bring these truths into our heart, right? Just, just like I had to allow the Spirit of God to, to, to bring these truths into my heart, we have to allow the gospel to transform us. That's the mystery. That's the power for marriage. You have to drive this message home every day. You have to preach this, this gospel message to yourself. I mean, how many times do I tell you guys, every single day, you've got to start the day off, man. You've got to start off and just preach this message to yourself every single day. Because life will beat you down. And then we can turn to our spouse and begin to do what we should for them. Now, all that sounds great. But, but, what, happens, uh, but what happens when you get into an argument with your spouse Right, and in the heat of the moment, are you going to be able to quote scripture to yourself? You know, are you going to be thinking about how, how Christ served us? You know, when your wife is, is saying things, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, how, how do we actually do this? How, how can we actually be filled with the Spirit? How can we grow in the fear of the Lord so that we're not controlled by our fears? Well, let me explain it this way. All right, my, my, uh, every night we try to read a book to our kids. And over the last several years, uh, we've read those books so many times. <laughs> Every night, we read a book. And, uh, and Jude, he'll have his, his go-to books that he likes, you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's like, there's like a handful of books he just wants to read over and over and over again. And so we've read those books so many times, over and over and over and over again, that it's gotten to the point now where I can just lay on the bed and tell Jude to flip the pages and I've memorized it, right? The book is just coming out of me, right? I just know, like the other day, I, right, I was talking about the, the book, the George, right? And Trent's like, I, I know that book, I know that book. And it just, that book, they just come out because I know them, right? I've read them so many times 
that I, I know them. I know them. Now think of the effect if we were to, to dive even more deeply into Jesus' teachings in life and work. What if we were to be so immersed into his promises, right? To, to the, into the scriptures, into the word of God. What if we were to be so immersed in the scriptures that they dominated our inner life? Capturing our imaginations. That they just, they just came out of us. Right? So, so that when you're in that argument with your wife or you're, you, you feel like things are getting heated, right? You're not having to think of, oh, Philippians chapter 2 or, or, uh, or whatever scripture comes to your mind. You're not having to think about it because, because it's in you and it's just, it's just coming out. To be so dominant, to be so immersed, that it, just, it just comes out of us. I mean, how, how would we live if we unconsciously just knew Jesus' mind and heart regarding things that, conf- that confronted us? That's, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. The Holy Spirit's job is to illuminate our hearts. If you want more of the Spirit in your life, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit more and more, then we need to be students of Jesus, right? We need to be in His Word. But listen to me, I know some of you are thinking, man, but I, can't, I don't like reading. I don't like to read. Listen, man, there are so many different avenues that you can take. Listen, I mean, there are so many spiritual disciplines, right? I mean, you can just go outside and you can just, all right, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Just be still. Just be in silence, man. Just listen. Right? Just, just look out at creation. I mean, think about creation for a second, right? The, you know, they're, they're, they're constantly discovering more and more just how big uh, our universe is, right? They, they haven't even touched the ends of our universe, just how big our universe is. And then they, they, they're discovering more and more just how small, like, the atom is. And, like, they, they keep spawning. It's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. That's how great and awesome our God is, that, that we can't even reach the depths of how awesome God is. Like, you will never, ever, ever, ever in this lifetime be able to reach the depths of, what, of who God is. And so it's just a constant, constant well of just digging in and just just reading and studying and, and seeing who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So, 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 so look for other avenues, man. Whether if you like to exercise, man, when you're, when you're running or when you're jogging or when you're doing whatever you do, think about these things. They pray. Spend time praying with Jesus. Spend time with the Father. Sometimes I'll go out early in the morning, man, I'll just look up at the stars. I'll go to Thomasville High School and run around the track, and it's just dark, it's like stars are out. It's just beautiful, right? Sometimes you just, do you ever just stop and like, man, right? It's just like how awesome God is to be filled with that. And when this happens, man, Paul says in Colossians 3.16, he says that the gospel will dwell richly in your hearts, and you'll find the power to serve. You'll find the power to give and to take criticism well. To not expect your spouse or marriage to, to meet all of your needs and to heal all of your hurts, right? Because you're looking to Christ to do that. See, it gets you out of the center and enables you to serve. Does that make sense? That's the power for marriage. What we're going to do now is the band's going to come and we're going to sing. Or actually, we're not going to sing. We're going to uh, the band's going to come. They're going to play instrumentally. And we're going to spend some time around the table uh, just remembering what Christ has done for us. We do this every single week here at Chester Christian Church. 
It's just another way for us to proclaim the gospel. And what I want to, to encourage you to do during this time is this. Use this time to not just reflect and remember what Christ has done for you, but think about your own, I mean, examine your own heart. Examine your own, own, own heart and say, okay, God, where am I, where am I being selfish at? Where, where am I uh, depending on other people? Where are my fears? What am I bringing into my marriage? What am I, or if you're not married, what am, I, what am I doing that's hurting other relationships? What's, what's the source of those things? And just allow, allow God to reveal that to you. Just as, as ugly as it may be, just allow Him to reveal that to you. And then celebrate, man. Celebrate the victory we have in Jesus. That, that He wants to set you free from those things. That He wants to deliver you from that. So let's pray and then I'm going to ask the guys to come and pass out the tray of bread and the juice. Father, thank